0: you welcome to tea talk a space to share the therapy tea i'm shailene your host and i hope you'll join me each week as we sit down to share tips stories and conversations on getting better emotionally recovering from trauma and improving your overall quality of life i want to remind everyone that even though podcasts can feel therapeutic they are definitely not a replacement for therapy please at any point if you feel the need to take a break because the content is too heavy Please do that and take care of yourself. Also, if you're loving this podcast, please do me a favor and leave me a review, share your reflections with me on Instagram and share it with a friend who needs to hear it. All right. So I'm ready. You're ready. And we're friends now. So go ahead and sit down, cozy up and let's get ready for today's episode.
1: Hey, everybody, I'm so excited to introduce my friend here, Arthelia Weeks. Say hello and introduce yourself to the people.
2: Hello, I am Arthelia Weeks, and that's all you want to know. I am Arthelia Weeks, and I am a licensed clinical social worker in Kansas and in Missouri. And I live here in Manhattan, Kansas, where I have my private practice.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. So I got to meet Arthelia in Spain on a retreat earlier this year, earlier in 2023. And I have to say, like, being in your presence is like having a, like, a prescribed dose of antidepressants. For me, that was what it felt like.
2: Wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because. That's
2: new. That's new. Okay, but I take tell- it. I'm
1: Okay, listen, listen. Yeah, because I want you to receive it. So here, the things that I remember, like, super funny, we'll say what's on your mind, and, like lights up a room, lets people know I am here, super supportive of the people around her. Like rallies for, you rallied for the people there that were having a hard time believing themselves, me included at in times. Like I have little taglines in my head from when we, when we were in our little meet out groups and stuff. But the other thing I remember, oh, the hugs. The hugs were 20 out of 10 for sure. Like gives a really great hug and that feels like a beam of light, feels very healing. I believe someone told you, you should sell them, which I agree yes. with. Yeah.
2: Patrick tried to pimp me out, but he, so, sweet, but he don't like her.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that said that says something big. He doesn't even like hugs and he was like, you should sell these. But the other thing was like, just super positive. And you got a tattoo while you were out there, right? Yes. What's the tattoo say?
2: it says live the moment
1: live the moment yeah and so it just felt like for me for meeting you for the first time i was like this person is living their best life like really to the fullest and that was really the vibe that i got from you i had no idea that this was seemingly for me from the outside as someone who's just meeting you a part of a journey that you had kind of embarked on for yourself after going through loss and big losses in your life And so bringing Arthelia on the podcast today to really talk to everybody about what her journeys looked like, because I'm sure there are a lot of other people who can relate. And in those times, it's really difficult to be able to see light. And here you are to me, I feel like radiating light to others. And so for me, I was like, I need more of this. I want more of this. And I want other people to hear about it. So where do you want to start in talking about that journey and
2: what i'm seeing from the outside i think when i came to spain this year what was it when did we go to spain april april. Mm-hmm. april time frame so i was embarking on a year of suddenly losing my husband um to death and also my oldest son who had passed away two months after mm. my husband had passed and so it, it was a, it was a time of, I think, of tremendous loss, but I think for me, I don't know, it's something about not having regrets and knowing that you did all that you were supposed to do and all that you could do in your power to do and being settled with that, that can kind of, I think, drive some things. But I also recognize that, honestly, in that point in time in my life, I couldn't just stop. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stop. I had a whole practice to run. I couldn't just be in the corner somewhere. Crying, even though that's if that's what you do, then that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But that was just not what I was supposed to do. But I also had to be careful of compartmentalizing because I'm very good at that. And so being prior military, you, we was always taught suck it up, drive on, and you got to go do the things you gotta do. The whole message in the military was shoot, move, and communicate. It was backwards, like communicate mm. first, then then move, then shoot. But no, we were always taught to do it backwards. And so. I had to be very mindful of the fact that I was good at compartmentalizing things, and you would never know if anything was going on with me because I never showed it. So I don't think it came off as cold, but I think it came off as, oh, she's so super strong, and she's so resilient, and she's so ABC, but that wasn't always the case because on the inside, I could be in torment. You would never know, but I was just good at hiding it. But one of the things I did when I had the loss, I had to give myself permission to experience every feeling that came up, every thought that came up, because I was the one who found my husband. So that was a whole thing. So then Ooh. you add trauma to it.
1: Yes. Well,
2: so I to have her own trauma. And then you add that part to it. It's like, how can you unsee that? And one of the things, and I'm pretty sure you know this about trauma, when we have it, it's so important that from the moment that it happens, that we start working on Immediately processing that
1: mm-hmm. and that healing
2: part. And I think that's what I did different from all the other traumas that I experienced, because this was traumatic. It was a sudden death, number one. But to have found him and to see the scene of things that I seen, I'm not going to give all of those details um, for everybody to hear. But to see what I saw, that was it was an understatement. I'm trying to figure out, I still try to figure out like how in the heck yeah. did I get out of this and make it in my brain to be calm, yeah. to be uh, to be at peace. And so I knew that I had to give myself permission to fill all the fields and think all the things and whatever came up, that it was okay for me not to be okay because generally people come to me. I'm strong. I'm the friend that people tend to count on in, in, in some of the circles that I have. And like, okay, if we need to know it, I tell you tell us, I gave it to us. you mm-hmm. like, should give it to us straight. I tell you, it doesn't go through anything. Half of them was shocked with some of the things I shared. <laughs> I was like, wait, yeah you never knew. You would have never known because I never shared on this journey to no longer like be the person to try to hold it down for myself so everybody else can be okay So that's what I was doing as long as you were okay it, that was good with me and whatever I was going through I could put it on the back burner because I can handle it
1: mm-hmm.
2: but but honestly no yeah no, I really but that's what I told myself so, yeah
1: mm-hmm. I I mean, I could have, again, like only meeting you in Spain, I could totally see how that could happen because you do have, you also have this like motherly presence where you're like taking people under your wing and, and making sure that everybody else is okay. And so I could see how that would kind of like how the people in your life would kind of fall into that place. And you have to make a really intentional decision with not only how are you going to respond to them, but how are you going to respond to yourself? Internally, as you navigate all of the pieces after that loss, and then only to lose your son two months
0: after that.
2: hmm The oldest son, and so the oldest son was my husband's my husband's son, but still in our life. Of course. So there was a lot of things going on with him. I'm not sure if his biological mom won't disclose that, but there was a lot of things going on with him. So he didn't even know that my husband had passed away. Oh. And so when he passed away, it was sudden. His heart stopped. And so that was a big deal. So my youngest called me and said, like, hey, this is what's going on. And what freaked me out the most was, because I didn't want to freak you out. And I was like, don't worry about freaking me out. He called me, like, four or five days after. Oh, wow. And so then I was like, why did you do that? Because I didn't want you to be freaked out. And I'm like, you know, here's my son, 26 years old, kind of protecting me. He's 25, well, he's 26 at the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Trying
2: to protect me from being overwhelmed
1: mm-hmm.
2: with something and even though like he wasn't in my in our home on a regular basis like the youngest was it still it still meant something because I could feel it because I knew how my husband felt about him I knew so all those things came up for me and I was like okay I was, I was like, okay Lord, one more I can't do it anymore I'm yes it. appreciate it yeah I'm, I'm signing out like this yeah and it, and it didn't help because then you come to this thing and I go to I think Mexico and that's when I first meet Jen and Patrick you now and then I come back from Mexico and have my older sister come oh yeah very matter of fact yeah mama's cancer is back and oh. I was like, okay
0: oh, let we, me let me
2: let me figure this all out like you know I said you and I laughed a little bit with my other sister like she just came out cold heart and just told us like it was matter of fact it's like what And I was thinking to myself like no not another one we're not doing this like something else is gonna have to give and and thankfully my mom hasn't passed away but it was just like even with somebody's health that's a loss like and it's not my own but it was just like these things were happening back to back to back and I was trying to figure out like where are those pockets of peace but I can't remember because my faith is important to me I don't know about everybody else's Mm -hmm. right but in my faith, I can remember God sh- telling me and showing me that his peace would always go before me. And so that's, and I held on to that because I said, there's no way, like when my husband passed, my peace is always going to go before you. I have you, I got you, okay? Like, and even at times I had moments, I had, the things that I think that I grieved over the most were the things that was nothing. It was like really small things, not the huge stuff that you think, oh, I see this or da da. that. It was a little bitty things that were like getting under my skin a little bit. And I had my moment and I'll keep it moving.
1: Mm.
2: And then I'm like, okay, I'm fine. It's great. I'm good. But when all that stuff, not once was not piece taken. Not once.
1: This is so interesting and important. I'm thinking about a lot of different things. One, I like to put myself in like the listener position and how am I experiencing this as I hear it? And so for me, I'm in this place right now. I've talked for people who are listening. Y'all have heard a little bit about like my struggles with grief in the sense of like right now being very avoidant and like, I think waiting, I'm kind of like bracing myself. I'm trying to avoid grief. And then I'm like bracing myself, knowing that grief is inevitable and it's a part of life. Particularly the thing right now is like my dog's getting older and I like, don't, part of me is like, don't even bring this up because it like pales in comparison. But like, my, this is my example right now is like, my dog's getting older. And every night I look at him and I'm just like, I'm like playing forward all of the ways that this is going to go and it's going to hurt really, really bad. And obviously, there's no peace in that because even in the present moment while he's in front of me, I like can't, I hear people saying to me, like, well, Shaylene, This is like what life's about. If you can embrace grief, then you're going to be able to fully experience and appreciate the life that you have right now in this moment with the people that are here right now, with with whatever you have, because it's not promised. But there's a part of me that's like, no, 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 no. Like I can't do that. And I won't be able to do that. And when the time comes for my dog to pass away or for people in my life to no longer be here, I'm not going to be okay. Okay. And so that's not helpful and I'm working through that in therapy everybody don't worry. But when I hear you talk about this I'm just like to hear you say that the peace was always there my first question is like how and how do you not get into moments where you're just like yeah fuck this I'm done not fair thank you very much I don't think so And when you're talking about these losses and, and even like with your mom and hearing about the cancer, I know exactly what that feels like. And it's just, I just am imagining you standing in the ocean trying to stand up and it's just like, whoosh, 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 like wave after wave after wave. And I just, it's, it's a big question that's not simple, but my question is like, how, like, how do you find peace? How do you find peace in there?
2: I want to share one thing with you first. So let me just tell you, I was the person who didn't like to talk about death. My husband was very matter-of-fact about death. If the Lord takes me home now, I'll be glad. I mean, he said that often. And so honestly, quite frankly, sometimes I thought like he spoke his own death into existence, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you. Because that's how I was feeling. And I didn't like talking about death, but the day of his accident, I had a client who I promised every client I had that they wanted to talk about death did not know why something was grieving something was happening and I'm gonna tell you not a fan of grief
1: mm-hmm. not a fan
2: right was never a fan I worked in casualty and mortuary affairs in the military so I had to learn to numb myself to having to notify people and find out who died before and finding out friends that boss, was your job yeah for three years what yeah.
1: oh yeah. my god
2: so you would think I would be okay with talking about grief and death and loss. No, I wasn't. Cause I known myself from all of that. I just didn't want to feel it anymore. And a lot of times when would happen in my family, somebody lost, I would either laugh probably inappropriately, or I'd be super angry with somebody. That's, yeah. that's, that's all you, that's all you got from me because I didn't want to feel any other emotions, but I can remember that David of accident, this client was talking about death and loss and she had had some back to back and, and I'm saying to myself, now, I do not like talking about this. Why is this girl talking to me about this? I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. And, but I said, okay, I'm talking about it. So we were talking about it and we're talking through it. And I kid you not, it was the first time I could absolutely talk about loss and death without cringing, without um, freaking out or saying, like, felt like I was saying the wrong thing. It was a calm that I had never experienced before. And with clients talking about loss mm-hmm. and talking about their grieving process. And let them know that like it's not about how everybody else grieves, or even the textbook way of how they say the stages of grief happen. I said it doesn't happen. It doesn't. Ha- it doesn't. It really doesn't work out that way. I told right. I didn't believe that that it worked out the way that even how we've been taught clinically how it's supposed to look. And I said you have to do it in your time. And I kept saying give yourself permission that whatever comes up, it's okay that it comes up. We have been given emotions that's a natural response for us. It's natural if somebody dies that you cry. It's natural that you're sad. It's natural that you have regret because maybe that day you didn't get to say I love you or you didn't get to say, I was fortunate enough to have a conversation and say I love you in our in last conversation. It was fortunate enough, but but it could have been something else i was fortunate enough that it could have been far worse what i saw let's be clear it could have been way far worse because i thought somebody had broken our house like because the mm. doors was the door the garage was up the dog wasn't there so mm. it was just like these things so all the things that was going through my head and having to react at the same time and all the things i learned even with like cpr and all that stuff like you know you don't think that way when you're in those moments um so how do I find so just a caveat just to give you a backstory that I know what it feels like to not be comfortable with it and to want to sit with it and even your animal like I, I'm about get on my nerves but really it's to on dog, my nerves. I probably <laughs> probably like have a whole fit like let's be clear so loss is lost though that's the point loss is lost whether it's a loss of a job a loss of a friend actual death it's still you still have to grieve those things and but I think we get so stuck on the process that grief looks like a certain thing of what we've been conditioned and learned to say or been taught that this is what it's supposed to look like, that we get stuck when it doesn't look like that. And so we think something is going on with us or we can't deal with it or we can't rock with it this way. And maybe I should be really working on this part because I don't like that. But in my process, when I was able to sit with that client and I fast forward and this stuff happened to me. I thought, hey, I do grieve differently, and it doesn't even, I don't, I wouldn't even define it as grief. I think, and you, and I know you, you're the DBT lady of the world, right? <laughs> so, so like, but when you think about, like, radical acceptance, right? And you think about what that entails, and we're looking at for what it really is, and I know you you said you've had friends tell you that, hey, you know, this is inevitable. We born and we die. It's not something you tell somebody who's experienced loss. This is dumb. It's,
1: Thank you. (laughs) You Watch my French.
2: It's dumb. You know what? It's dumb to say that to somebody or to say that they're in a better place or to say they live their best life and God needed them sooner. I mean, these are the dumbest things that we say to people because that is not something that they need to hear. I heard someone say the other day, just recently in a message I heard, I was listening to the other day and he said, sometimes people just need your presence. That's it. Just need Mm -hmm. your presence. They need you to be present. Yeah. The people who supported me, none of them knew what to say. I had a friend show up. They know how I like to keep my house and I had moved because I didn't want to live in the house no more. Yeah. Came, she showed to my doorstep and said, oh, what can I do? There was no talk about death. There was no talk about my husband. There was no talk about anything. She came in my garage and we cleaned out my garage and that was helpful to me in my process. So. I guess to answer your question, no, I'm not sure. I'm I really I have to credit it to God. That's the only thing I got for you. I can mm-hmm. credit to God, but I will tell you my human mind, the the intellectual part of me, um I really had to go through an acceptance of of the fact that loss is going to happen. And that I did lose something. And there was areas in my life when I say this and it's probably going to sound our son don't listen to this <laughs> um, but there was people said well why are you so you seem like you just like so free and so happy and then when I said and it's crazy because you know in relationships things happen it's ups and downs it's ebbs and flows in relationships I said well I grieved parts of my husband long before he died like mm. the stuff that was lost in our relationship the things that didn't always go right that was a grieving process if we want to use the word grief so badly right that was a grieving process, but I think we need to shift our perspective on how we see grief itself and that, like, this process, this is life yeah. Um and this is a process that we all are going to go through, but we just key in on that it's grief and it has to look this way and we have to do it this way. And my idea was that I have to live. That's grieving.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm going to live. That's grieving. There is nothing I can do. I can't bring my husband back no matter how much I loved him, no matter how much how much we we went through or the things that we experienced, whatever the case may be, I can't bring him back. It's a process. What can I do moving forward? How can I live? What does that look like for me? And I didn't know what that looked like for me because for 18 years, I was with the same person. Mm-hmm. I said, nobody told me I was going to be 47 years old and a widow.
1: Mm-hmm. No
2: one told me that. And so how do you how do you find peace now? There was no words anyone could give me. There was nothing anyone could say. There was nobody who had experienced what I experienced at the age that I experienced it. Right. And so I literally was on a, I, had, I was on, a, I don't know, I guess a learning curve. Yeah. And I had to figure it out, honestly, on my own. And I I had to figure that out. And so giving myself permission and accepting that this was a transition in my life, and though it was a heavy loss, it didn't mean that I couldn't live. And I had to think about, like, when he was alive, he was full of life. So why would I change that for myself? Right. If that makes any sense.
1: It does. Um, I don't
2: have the perfect answer.
1: No, you talked about radical acceptance and... I think about how the idea behind radical acceptance is like when you don't choose to accept, even though that's really difficult, you choose suffering and you choose the pain being amplified, right? And so like you're saying, there's nothing I can do to change it. And so here I am, right? And what am I going to do now given that here, here I am? And I think that there's a lot of guilt that comes up, it like your emotions can really mess with you after a loss and like, tell you, like, how can I, am I really happy right now in this moment? Can I allow myself to be happy? Can I give myself permission to, you know, start dating or something like that after losing some, after losing my partner and, and what would that be like? And there's just a lot of like mixed emotion mind stuff that comes up that can really mess with you. And I think even again, talking about going into the holidays, there's like this parallel of on the one hand, going into it and bracing myself, like this is going to be bad. You know, everyone's gonna, there's gonna be all these reminders of how this person isn't here. And there's gonna be all these sentimental things, and it's gonna hurt, and it's gonna be so painful. And then there's also like what you're talking about the side of just like, all the emotions are allowed. And so let me just show up and see what happens. But also giving myself permission not just to have all the emotions but in that is giving myself permission to have peace and giving myself permission to have happiness and to experience love from other people and not letting myself get tripped up in feelings of guilt because I'm still living even though this person or this circumstance is different and I'm giving myself permission to experience joy I think that's the the key because even you know there are things that you say that I think it is very easy to get lost in that. Like I've heard a million times, there's no right way to grieve. That's not, it doesn't change it for my mind. Like it's not changing it, right? So it's like, it makes sense logically. And to say that all emotions are allowed, yeah, it makes sense logically. But what I hear you saying is like, but that includes joy and peace and love. Like you have to give yourself permission to experience those feelings. Because if not, that's the that's the opposite of acceptance. That's choosing to to suffer and I say choosing like you know I get it it's not it's not an easy thing it's easy to just fall into that but that seems like a special part of your your story is choosing happiness choosing joy choosing love
2: chose life I chose mm-hmm. life and I chose the fact that like and again it's different for everybody right but like I think there's nothing wrong with saying that we choose to lay in I hate to say it this way lay in waste Mm-hmm. or to not move forward or not to do things i think that is that is a conscious choice because maybe because we're not ready right. maybe because that's not that's not that's my jam right now or maybe i don't even have the tools to be able to get up i've never done it before regardless if it was a loss or not so that's the other part i think it has to be taken into consideration too but I feel like vulnerability was a major part for me. Vulnerability was not my strong suit. And even though I tell clients, you know, vulnerability was never meant to be controlled. Because if that was the case, how do we love freely? Like, Mm. we knew it logically, like you said, but to live it. And so we can come up with all the ideas and the ways to do this, but until you live it. And there's no way to know what you're going to do or what you're capable of if you don't allow yourself to do it either. So how do I know if I can be happy moving forward if I don't, if I don't
1: Open space. up myself mm-hmm. to have
2: the capacity to receive love. And even with dating, one of the nervous things about me was I was like, Oh, how is my son gonna feel? Grown behind a woman, like how you know, but how's my son gonna feel? Is he gonna be accepting of this? And is anybody gonna want me? Mm-hmm. You know, do I really wanna be in another relationship? Because then my thought process, it did come up like we didn't have another loss, because you know, my brain live everybody, like you know. If, if I'm going to suffer another loss. Like, is this, this can happen? But honestly, that was me setting myself up for, up for failure, talking myself out of living. That was me telling me, girl, you know, you, you can't live beyond this because you're supposed to be this way. We have to, like, literally uncondition ourselves from what society has told us was normal in any process that we go through in life. And in this particular case, in grief. We have to unlearn what society has taught us that it's supposed to be. Because I think, honestly, that's where we get stuck. And I could have got stuck that way. I had somebody tell me recently, like, you need to carry him in your heart forever and you shouldn't move on. And I was like, is your life. Think I'm doing that.
1: Oh no! But thank no. you so
2: much for sharing that. That's so kind of you to say. What's like, your heart? I want to say, bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, my place. that, I was in church because I was gonna say something else. Because didn't go over. I was like, What's happening? But even in that, like I know that if I try to numb one emotion, I'm numbing. I'm numbing them all. Mm. So I have to give myself permission to embrace all of the things that come along with it. And I've had highs and lows and joys and disappointments and all those things. I just haven't given it the power to shake me out of what I, my intention is, which is to live a full life, a good life. Like I live a good life with my husband. We had a relationship with our son. Like all that was great and wonderful, but no one is here anymore they're not here what do I do with that
1: right
2: because if they was here they would be still living right because it, it it sounds crazy it's gonna sound very cold-hearted so people please forgive me <laughs> when I say it this way but like it's almost like people are expendable we the, slowly the memory fades away and for some people it doesn't because they choose to stay in that place of of hurt and heartache and pain but it's not that my husband's memories or the son's memories are fading away. I realized who they was in my life. There are pockets of things in my house or, or little situations that come up that I laugh to myself and think, oh, that's what happened when they did A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Mm-hmm. Like, but the, the, the pain of the loss, it, it can slowly, it slowly fades away the more that you accept, the more that you give yourself permission, the more that you experience the emotions and the feelings. And stop trying to like put it in some little box because you don't want to deal. Cause there's days I didn't want to deal. I had to break down a panic attack like a couple of weeks ago and go on my way to a, a therapy session for myself. And it just came out of nowhere because I went to the storage. The thing that didn't even bother me. I hadn't been in the storage in a year. And I'm looking at all this stuff. And I'm like, what did this dude do? Like this is too much stuff. Like, I don't even know what none of this stuff is in here. I didn't do this. And then somebody started asking the friends start asking me questions and then another friend wanted to have a conversation with me about him again because they having their things, right? And then I was like, this is a lot. And I went home and woo. And I was like, that Monday, I was like, oh my gosh, I started, couldn't breathe. I thought, and I had just lost a, just lost a really close therapist friend mm-hmm. who suddenly died. And so all that came up around the same time the anniversary death of my husband was coming up, like I had just passed. And so, and I'm looking at all these things and I was like, can't breathe. Oh, my heart is hurt i said, I have a heart attack i'm gonna die i'm gonna i mean i freaked freak the fan mm-hmm. but i but i still said i feel like in the car like give yourself permission but i need to get to this therapy appointment because i can't have cars <laughs> like to, you better get there and i was down there my therapist looked at me and i just broke i just fell out i broke down and i just i just did it and he was like wait she just gonna break down this session but i did because the loss was too tremendous for me at that moment, in that point. But I still said, I tell you, feel it. Like, experience it. It doesn't feel great. I thought I was going to die. And I remember telling him, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to suddenly die. I don't want to leave my life like this. I don't want to do this. This mm-hmm. is not fair. I'm angry. Da, 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 da. I said, oh, God. Hey. Mm-hmm. Did it kill me? No, I didn't die. I experienced it when it released me. And it helped me to hear from a part that I had actually compartmentalized that I thought I didn't.
1: Yeah, that's a good, I'm glad you said that too, because I think that, again, it's easy to hear, you know, it's not supposed to look a certain way, but then for people to just, again, like our brains are so shaped that they'll default to thinking that way. Right. And so, you know, it's, it would be easy to hear this and be like, okay, I'm going to go out. I'm going to plan the trip. I'm going to book the vacation, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to live. But then again, remember space for all the emotions, right? So it's like, and then when you have those experiences of pain, instead of the response being like, well, I thought I was going to choose peace and this was not going to come. It's like, nope, all the emotions, everything's fair game. You know, everything's fair game. And not just, I like how you talk about grief is like, let's not forget. This is just one piece of life. Like it was always a piece of life, whether it was in the forefront or not, it was always there right now when you're in the in the throes of a loss, you know, it's in the forefront. But it doesn't have to be in the forefront for the rest of your life or until your next relationship or or through the holiday season or whatever. When we just remember like, oh, this was a part of everything the whole time. Like this was all a part of the same kind of picture. And, you know, in the beginning too, you were talking about you were faith and how important that is and I remember my mom telling me one time like well Shailene if you have faith there's no reason to have fear and I was like "Huh, okay I'm gonna sit with that for a little bit right it's like if we can believe that like not this is how it's meant to be because I don't think that's really helpful either but like if we can believe that like there is something out there that's bigger than us. And there is some sort of plan somewhere that we don't have all of the information for and that's okay. And we remember like, oh, this was always a part of it. Like the grief, the loss, the love, the pain, all of it is a part of this life. There's a little bit of peace, at least for me in that, because I'm like, oh, okay. Like this isn't Nothing something is that just happened. Right, right.
2: Nothing is wasted. And that's one thing I heard clearly and I remember being at church and they said, well, we want you to speak at church. And I'm like, it's like two months after my husband passed. I think they were just like, I'm, I don't know. They didn't believe that it was shocking for them. That I was so calm, I guess. But they said, we want you to speak at, at Sunday service. So I was like, okay. And the, when, one thing I heard was nothing is wasted. All the things that I went through, all the things I experienced, whether in the relationship, good, bad, ugly, and different, all the way through his loss and through the other losses that I've had since then. Not one. I of the time I spent with them, or I spent after them, was wasted. Everything, yeah. everything can everything can create a lesson for me. What am I supposed to get out of this, for me to grow more? What What else can I, I gain from this? Yeah, it was a loss. Yeah, it was these things, but not even that was wasted. What I saw wasn't wasted. I did something I had never did before, and start working on a trauma processing it right away when before back then I just sucked it up. It was what it was and I had to go through it. And, and then I'm still dealing with that stuff from back then.
1: Mm-hmm. And and,
2: and a, not almost not all of it, but like not all the stuff that I did I haven't dealt with that I'm not dealing with in the positive way. Or I hadn't dealt with in the positive way. Um or saying that yeah this trauma happened. But it doesn't have to keep impacting me this way. And with this particular thing, with what I saw and how it progressed, I did it differently than I ever done it before in my life. And then I can see where nothing was wasted. I can see that even in seeing this, I got a lesson out of it. That it's important, even for my clients to know that the moment stuff happens, it's great for us to start processing right then. I can see the difference in my clients who have a trauma two weeks before and start coming into therapy right away mm. and see the difference in how they progress versus the clients I've had, like a paramilitary, my veterans, who took forever or it took a longer time for them to want to process. Because- We wasn't in an environment where you could process, but I was in an environment where I could process, and even in an environment that I couldn't process in, I was still in an environment that I could process, so nothing was wasted. The the acknowledgement of what happened, of what I saw, and me telling myself the story to myself could have been tormented to other people, but I kept seeing it, and I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about it. It's there. It's in my head. I'm going to say this out loud to myself. I'm in the house. I like, can to myself, like, this is what's happening. And I go to my therapist. This is what I saw. And this is what I said, but I haven't had a nightmare. Hmm. Like I haven't had a nightmare yet. This is what's happening. Or, you know, if I if somebody said, oh, your husband came to me in a dream and told me to say A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And like, and he said, you wouldn't believe me. I I gave you these specific numbers. And then she gave me specific numbers. Now I was like, what the what? Okay. Uh-huh. I'm cool. I'm fine. <laughs> but like just just all of it was a lesson learned. Nothing was wasted. I could pull something from every part of that of up until this point. I experienced Father's Day without him. I experienced my birthday without him. I experienced his birthday. I experienced Thanksgiving. I experienced Christmas and, and New Year's. Like we used to watch the old Twilight Zones and bring it in New Year. Like that was the thing that we did. Like I experienced all these things all at once. And then like, mind you, like two days after his services, I started my PhD program. Yeah, okay, we He's forgot like, about I, that part. Yep, hmm
1: forgot to add that in there. Yep, and I,
2: he sure did. I started, I started that, and I'm thinking nothing was wasted. If anything, I knew about him, he was a supporter of what I was going after. If I had to quit saying I wasn't going to no, going to school, I could see him trying to hunt me, like,
1: he would be the person <laughs> to
2: hunt me, and be like, girl.
1: You better man, get your school,
2: butt in school. And go to school. And so some people thought I was crazy. And um made my son laugh about it all the time. Like he said, I'm so proud of you. I'm going to say my mom's about to. Like I said, oh, this is so cool. But it's a, it's a thing. It's like, it wasn't for him, It's for me. It was still my dream. My dream didn't go away because the person I love went away. The things that I had, the, the goals I have in my life didn't stop being goals because I had a loss. Mm. So either I was going to continue to go after my goals or I was going to sit here and let this loss take me. I always tell my clients, you have PTSD, but PTSD don't have you. The moment that PTSD have you is when I'm concerned. Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: I have grief, but grief don't have me. If grief has me, that's when anybody around me should be very concerned. Mm -hmm. So that's when I'm probably going to be the shutdown mode, girl. So Um, I didn't. Yeah.
1: I know. I was just thinking about like, there is, I don't know. Is there like a line that people need to pay attention to because you know, in the one hand, people on the outside, and, and I'm sure people are listening to this and thinking for themselves, like, okay, so, you know, maybe I'm going to go into this season and, and plan all these great things and all. And then from the outside, you might hear people giving their unsolicited opinions as they tend to do and say things like, well, are you really handling it? Don't you think you should slow down or, you know, things like that. Right. So it's like anything, any way we react, there's a way in which people can pathologize that. And that messes with people too. Like they have a hard time trusting. And I'm saying this in my own experience with my clients of like having a hard time trusting, like, am I like what they'll say to me, am I avoiding? And so how do people figure out the line of like, am I compartmentalizing? Is this helpful? Is this not? When it comes to, there is no, we know, we know that there's no right way. So then there's no playbook, right? So then how do you decide if the way that you're responding is, is helpful or not? Because I'm, again, I'm thinking of somebody in particular that I work with, and this is coming up a lot for that person in the sense of like, as she's navigating new relationships, she's questioning, like, am I just being impulsive? And like, you know hanging on to something that feels really good right now or should I do i need to be slowing down and backing up and like how do people make sense of whatever way that they're responding is it helping them or is it like stunting them
2: so, so on a personal level i think i had to um i think it's still about i, I was very intentional i had to just really take a take a step back and tell myself that it was that I don't know that it was just okay what I was experiencing right but I, I, I just use relationship <laughs> let's say the dating scene I'm not a dater okay just not a dater if I like you and I'm with you I'm gonna be with you that's just what it is it's always been to make up dating apps all the things but to question myself I had to be honest with myself that goes back to that part when I told you earlier about pouring into myself I had to literally sit and be honest with myself about where I really was and what I had the capacity to hold and some people tell me like your husband just died well he ain't just died y'all it's been like at this point now 17 months I uh, said so he ain't just died and then oh you should be feeling this way now so I believe this this is one thing I had to get out of my head people will always give you advice based off their experiences and their traumas and what they've been through that wasn't one of my reflections when I was pouring into myself and showing up for me for them 31 days during my birth month. Like that was one of the things, influence is a powerful word. Influence can twist your arm. It can shape you, your behavior, your attitude towards something. And so I think a lot of times we are influenced by the environment around us and that can determine how we, how we're thinking about how we're thinking. So because I value Celine's opinion, and Shailene tell me, Arthur, don't you think you're doing too much? You probably shouldn't have started your PhD two days after your husband passed. Do you think that's a good idea? But because I value your opinion, I start second-guessing yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
2: what I've decided. Because I value Shailene's opinion and her thought process in my life instead of trusting myself.
1: Mm-hmm. So then it
2: makes me like stop trusting myself or start second-guessing myself. And then I'm questioning, man, maybe, maybe this is my trauma-talking maybe this is a trauma response, maybe I shouldn't be dating, maybe I shouldn't be going out there and mm-hmm. meeting new people, maybe I should just stay in my house, well, I guess I should stay in my house about six months and, and mourn, because, you know, Shaylene said that would might be a better idea for me, mm-hmm. so I think one of the things is, you know, I have a friend that says, FTP, you can figure out what that means later, but I'll say forget them people, mm-hmm. I'll say it that way, <laughs> <laughs> like because people are going to always have something to say but it's going to be based off their experience and their opinions without considering the person that they're talking to and the person that they're pouring into that they're trying to help yeah and i think i had to really get out of my head the influences that were in my life and there was there's a my sister had my oldest sister had drew a circle for me and another circle in it and another circle. And she said, You have a lot of friends, but you're gonna be going to be going through some places in this process that they're not going to be going to this most inner circle part of you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Everybody can't go there. That's the part where I get to know me. That's the part where influence doesn't reside from the outside world, from the environment, and, and from the friends that I have. And so I literally. Every time somebody said something to me about what I was doing, and every time I second-guessed myself about decisions I was making for my life, whether it was to date, not to date, to go out and, and have a glass of wine, or even go to church, like I literally would hear her in my head and say, there's this big circle, there's this other circle, and then this little circle. Right? I can't be in that little circle with you. People are going to want to because they think they can handle it, but they can't handle that part of you. And so- I would say it's not meant for other people to understand why you're making the decision to go this. If you're deciding to be happy, then that's your decision to be happy. Nobody has to understand your decisions because it's not their life. Mm-hmm. And so I had to tell myself, I value my friends' opinions. I did. And I was literally second guessing everything. But maybe they're right. I don't have the capacity to hold love. I don't have the capacity to be in another relationship. And I said, No. This is my life. This is something I want to do. I still deserve happiness. I'm still worthy of love. I'm still worthy of a relationship. I'm still worthy of living my best life. No. And so I had to be honest with myself that number one, influence was a big deal in my life and it mattered what people said. And I put their opinions about my life above what I felt about my own life. And that was a mistake that I made. And when I recognized that was a mistake that I was making, even as I progressed forward, even though I was doing good and all those things, I still had this part in me that, that if I take my my new friend to church, what are the people going to say? Because, you know, my husband was there all the time. They just know him. Or people going to treat this person indifferent if I bring somebody around. and Or da, 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 I had a person I mean, say something to me, but I'm not going to repeat it. And I was like, well, dang. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Okay. That's okay then. But you don't matter yeah like your opinion doesn't matter because it's not your life and right i would even if it was in the case of that client encouraging that person that it's your life mm-hmm. you're you're being honest with yourself and truthful with stuff and getting to know you as a human as a person dating yourself like really getting to know your headspace so like sitting with your thoughts and what you're thinking not what has influenced you but what you're thinking like it'll soon not matter what other people say because you know that you know what's best for you because it's right. you. It's you. And people are going to always people it. They're going to always have something to say. They're going to always have opinions. We're going to second guess ourselves 12 million more times. Mm-hmm. But we still have to go back to the fact, what's the honest truth that I, I know for sure in myself? And that's what I go back to. This is the honest truth that I know for sure. I know what I want from my life. And that includes this. And happiness is a part of that. Joy is a part of that. Peace is a part of that. That's what grief is a part of that.
1: Mm-hmm. There's
2: loss is a part of that. Like pain is a part of that learning new things because with vulnerability, I take a risk with me, vulnerability with you, vulnerability with myself. I take a risk that it's going to bring up some array of emotions that I don't necessarily like having, but it's necessary for whatever I need to get in that moment and whatever I need to, wherever I need to go in that moment. And that's what I stand, that's, that's what I stand on. So now I'm in a relationship and I'm happy. And it's one of the healthiest relationships I've ever been in my life. Mm. Like it's just, and I was married for 18 years. Like to say that out loud, like what? Was he the heart? No, y'all, I did this differently. Right. This was with more intention. I learned my lessons. Right. Right. I accept the fact that even in this, I can't sit here and think everything is going to be a loss and he's going to die too. And he's going to have an accident too. Like, it's not like that. But this is a person who pours into me and I pour into them and they're reciprocated and it's healthy and I'm okay. And I was nervous about how my friends felt who was really close to my husband. I was concerned, but I said, Y'all, this is not life. Here we go. Nice to meet you. If you don't like them, I'm still going to be with them. It's great. Thank yeah. you. Like, even in that, and telling my son who was like, I want you to be happy. And that mattered to me. And like, what do I call him if y'all go further? And I was cracking up. You call him by his name. Like, you know? <laughs> Like, what else would you call them and it's funny but because i chose to embrace all of what entailed whatever this was i have been going through because i just don't like to call it grief maybe Yeah. just my life happening and me living it entailed every emotion everything that can happen that was supposed to happen for our failure and i'm learning from that still and i'm growing from that still and it's increasing my capacity manage things i never could manage before in my whole entire life because i'm telling you nobody would have told me this would have happened to me at my age that i could handle it and anybody who knew me growing up i was timid and scary and fearful and i heard you say your mom said well if you believe this i'm paraphrasing then there should be no fear listen there is a scripture that says god has not given you the spirit of fear but of love power and a sound mind Fear was never intended for us, but he didn't never say that we wasn't going to have it.
1: Right, that's That's true. That's a natural
2: emotion because he created us. It's a natural emotion. If I see a snake crawl up in here now, you might see me jump. That is scary. That is fear, right? But he never intended us to embrace it and hold on to it Mm. because that love and that power, that that love and that power and that sound mind, that equips us to be able to know how to operate when fear does take place. He hasn't given us that thing to hold on to. It's yeah. going to happen, but he hasn't given us to hold on to. And so, I don't know. I, think that's, I don't know if I explain what you It mean.
1: does. It does. It does. And I just, I mean, I just, like, I feel in myself hearing you, hearing you talk through, the, like, what you just said, I just feel more at peace. Because I said, like, I'm going through this, like, grief I'm in my grief era. That's what I've been calling it, where I'm trying to embrace it and and open up to the whole picture. And I know that, again, I just think that listeners, as they're hearing this or going into the season, kind of like, I don't want people to be bracing themselves. You know, I think it's helpful to have a plan, but also remembering that, like, you are here and that in itself, like, you being here is such a miracle and such a blessing. And to be able to, open yourself up for what life has to offer you. Because one thing that I'm hanging on to what you said is like, if I try to block out pain, then I'm going to block out peace. And so by bracing yourself, by protecting, like you shut off the ability to experience the fullness that life has to offer you. And so, yes. Okay. We've got to wrap this up or I'll keep asking and then you'll keep answering me and we'll go on forever. But let people know if they want to learn more about you, where they might find you.
2: I tell you, like I said, I'm located in Manhattan, Kansas. I have a website. It's www. It's Com. name, but Services abbreviated. They can follow me on Instagram at Kavana Life Counseling. I'm on Facebook at, at Kavana Life Counseling. My social media person has me on Twitter, but don't ask me what that is because I don't <laughs> know, because she handles it. But I'm very big on honestly educating and normalizing mental health in general because I think that we just don't talk about those things enough um, and that people think some things are weird and that that I want people to know that it's okay to not be okay all the time. And and that's how I lead my practice. I'm just like, I'm not like super transparent where they know what color underwear I have on. But (laughs) I want you guys to know that. But I, I want you to feel like, it's okay. Like you're having a conversation about your life and how to make it better and to be the best version of yourselves. And so that's what Kavana Life Counseling is. And literally the word Kavana means intention and direction of the heart in Hebrew. Mm. And so that's how I do my practice with intention and direction of my heart. But I I, I push my clients to do the same thing. So if you're in our area and you want to reach out and you want to come see our affiliate, I stay pretty full, but I do have openings sometime soon in the next months oh well you oh, would gosh, be so
1: lucky sure, you would have so be so lucky to get to get a spot on that list so we'll put all of um your stuff in the show notes and if you're interested then hit her up thank you so much for sharing your thank story you. and your wisdom with us and yeah i just really appreciate you for everybody else if you know someone who needs to listen to this episode please send it their way please like it and review it
0: and we'll see you next
1: time take good care
0: Right, that's today's episode everyone thanks so much for listening to tea talk i hope that your cup of tea is full today and that you were able to pull something out of this for yourself if you know someone that needs to hear this episode please send it their way and let me know what you're thinking by sending me a message on instagram i love hearing from you all and make sure to follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode and if you are loving what you're hearing please leave me a review and a rating it would mean so much All right, friends, take good care and I will see you next time.